Hey everyone, this is Andrew. Uh, this week we read Larry McMurtry's Lonesome Dove with guest host Casey Johnston. She used to work with me at Ars Technica and has since embarked upon the freelancing life. Um, before we get started, I wanted to say that we did have a small audio quality issue this week. It doesn't last for long. It only starts about half an hour in. So if you hear a little bit of skipping around then, don't worry, you didn't download a bad file and your computer is not broken. Um, it's just something that we couldn't edit out of the show. So, uh, we should be back to normal next week. We're sorry about that. And, um, I also wanted to say that we did have a little bit of salty language in this week's show, mostly centered around a horse whose name I think you are going to love. So, uh, sit back, relax, and enjoy our episode on Lonesome Dove. talk about anything like what's on your what's on your mind mind? uh pitches are on my mind the freelance life you know it's like yeah tell tell us more about that because you quit you quit your job i did i quit my job my job is over now i've been doing this for for a day uh (laughs) sending people emails and having them email me back being like no that's not (laughs) quite what we want ever are looking for and no we don't so um (laughs) what's the best way that you've been told no so far oh i haven't read most of the no emails i can just tell from like the g the gmail snippet that they're like they're they're segueing into it they're they're gonna say no so it's it's like like, when you get a skinny letter from a college yes yeah just throw it away i'm not gonna open that today i feel like i'm a good role of of doing of putting myself out there and then tomorrow i will experience crushing rejection and then maybe this is just like what the freelance cycle is supposed to be where you like you're really productive one day and then you let yourself be crushed the next day or maybe it's like a week to week thing i don't know i'm still figuring it out welcome to overdue (laughs) this is a podcast about the books that you've been meaning to read my name is craig my name is andrew and what's your name (laughs) Do I say my name? New person. Yeah, say your I'm, name. I mean, I'm just I, usually, okay, I thought you would ignore me until such time as I was formally no. introduced. I'm Casey. No. <laughs> no, everything we've just been talking about may or may not be on the air. Right. Gonna, oh, yeah. I know. But I don't know. Podcasts, I don't know how. <laughs> Welcome to the freelancing life, Casey. It's going okay. I will Thank say you. that as a freelancer, I think it's a really smart move of you to appear on a friend's podcast for no money. Yeah. <laughs> I think that I was think really smart. This is a good start. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I can't I can't do any worse. How many listeners That's... do you guys have too? <laughs> we have a bunch. You both. <laughs> and, I don't um, listen to the podcast. Susanna's mom loves it. <laughs> Great. Like really? Susanna's after we got married, Susanna's mom said to Susanna that one of the nicest like unexpected times that she had at the wedding was like an hour where she was waiting on something with Craig and I <laughs> and just hanging out with us. Yeah, apparently that's how that's how cool we are. So Really? Wow. The highest up. compliment a podcast can Johnston. get is <laughs> I don't have anything that else better to do. So I'm going <laughs> to listen to this podcast. So you don't have anything else better to do, it sounds like. So you came on the show, but you read a big book, I guess, Casey? I read a big book. It's called uh, Lonesome Dove by Larry McMurtry. Okay. Uh, it's, it's, uh, it's a Western novel. It's from the 80s. It's the story of uh, a cattle drive, basically. From It's it's some 800. I, don't, I read it on Kindle, so I don't know how many actual pages it is. But it's 15,000 pages. I don't know. It's up there. <laughs> It's a long book. Since I've Would started you... reading more Kindle books, I've started talking about books in terms of like percentages instead of pages. It's just right. easier. It's easier yeah, to people... say I'm 44% through this book instead of People pages. would ask me like, how far are you from being done with Gone Girl? I'd be like, I'm at 52%. They'd be like, that's so sad that we talk about books like that now. <laughs> now, this is a wet... Are you... Are you like well acquainted with Western novels, Casey? I'm, what kind of novels do you like to read? You know, I'm not a big Western you... reader. I don't. Okay. I'm not a Western person. Like I like um, 
I'm not from the West. I have nothing. Okay. There's nothing really that drew me to this except that um, I was reading some article online from a writer who I like, and she offhand mentioned the book and was like, this is a really great book, by the way, and all women love it. And I was like, okay, I'm a woman, so target audience. And uh, <laughs> But it's not like, it's not a romance. It's not, It's like a pretty, it's not like woman targeted, but it's it's one of those things that women fell backwards into, sort of. So that reminded me that when I was a kid, I would always see this Lonesome Dove book around my house. Mm. And I was like, hmm. I assumed that my dad had read it and was like, it was like a book that he really liked because it was always like on a bookshelf or like in the car. It was always like around, even though I'd never heard him talk about it. It's about cowboys too. Like, come on. Right. Dads. I mean, I had no idea. I thought it was like a, like I was a child. <laughs> it looked kind of like a romance <laughs> novel from like the fancy script on the front, but I don't know. Um, and then I had like a real rookie of the year moment when I went home a few months ago <laughs> and I was telling my mom, like, I just finished Lonesome Dove. Like, dad really liked that book, right? And she was like, no, I really liked that book. I read it. It was one of my favorite books. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> Your whole life has been a lie. I know. Mine's alone. The floater. <laughs> the floater. The floater. Got to float it. Got to float it. Now so, I just Andrew hates, I was gonna, Andrew hates I was baseball, gonna... so he doesn't know what's happening right now. Okay. Well, no, a floater is like when you throw a ball in a way that it moves like it's floating. Right? Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah. Pretty good. Yeah. I'm pretty good at baseball. <laughs> Do you have any other baseball questions you'd like to throw my way? Anyway, on to the book. <laughs> well, we could. Do we need to talk about Mr. Mc, Mr. Mc, Mr. McCrinty, Mr. Mr. McMurtry. <laughs> Why does he have so many R's in his name? He's a he's. There's a lot actually. That's a really good point. There's at least four. Um, he well, he is a uh, he's getting up there in years now. He's actually, um, if you hadn't read this book, it's like you may have heard of a little movie he wrote. Don't know, like uh, Brokeback Mountain. He adapted for the screen. Um. And he actually, this Lonesome Dove book is part of a series that he he expanded upon its like amazing popularity. It was turned into a mini series with like uh, Tommy Lee Jones and mm -hmm, mm -hmm. a handful of other really famous people. Diane Lane was one of them, and that was really big. So like he really blew up the '80s with western stuff, and um, <laughs> <laughs> he's really great. I'm. It's I'm not a like, genre that I think about when I think about the '80s. I think about like Blade Runner and Back to the Future. Right. Like when were Westerns pop? When did like, was this a thing for some people? I guess it must have been It like it was just a thing to him because he grew up in um, Texas and his father and grandfather, I think, were cattle ranchers. So like he's really like Texas culture. Yeah, he's like Mr. Texas. Cattle drives. Yeah. Like it's probably, this is probably like literally a story of his grandfather's life for all we know. So yeah, I mean, John um, Wayne died in 1979. And I assume that's when cowboy movies were over is when John mm -hmm. Wayne died. I mean, I would think so. The only other <laughs> the only yeah. other 80s like vaguely western thing I can think of is like Dallas. Was that that was like late 80s, right? Oh, maybe. Is that 90s? No, I think that, it was I think it was 80s. I'm trying to remember who shot JR even and I don't <laughs> Okay. Well, then there was Young check. Guns, right? Like Young Guns was a thing. Was that like With Emilio Estevez? <laughs> And there was um, Maverick. There were some uh, like <laughs> I don't know anything about the eighties. <laughs> no, McClintock was a long time ago. Okay, I found Dallas on Wikipedia, but I've been waylaid by a disambiguation page. You guys, hold on. Oh, that's fine. That's fine. <laughs> the 2012 fine. series. Hopefully, people are really enjoying this so far. It ran um, from 1978 to 1991. Okay, so that's, and then yeah, apparently there was a revival from 2012 to 2014. Yeah, yeah, man, I'm seeing that now. Dallas, yeah. Dallas was huge, but Dallas was like all just it had I think virtually nothing to do with the West. Anyway, <laughs> useless tangent. Five minutes um, about Dallas. Man, podcasting is all about tangents. <laughs> yep, that's you so gotta true. pad it out. Um, but the one of the interesting things about Lonesome Dove itself was, um. Larry McMurtry is a, like he wrote he wrote and adapted many movies and like stuff in his life. He's a screenwriter in part, um, and he tried to write Lonesome Dove as a movie. And I think everyone was like, "No, we don't, we don't want this script." 
So he <laughs> so he turned it into a book, really successful book, which became a very successful miniseries. The miniseries won a lot of awards. The book won the Pulitzer Prize in 1986, I think. So it's like pretty good, objectively good book. Mm. So what you're saying is that you should take all of the rejected pitches from your email inbox and turn them into a novel. Yep, absolutely. Alchemy-like. That's yeah. that sounds perfect. Great. I'm I'm right on it. <laughs> so, so let's just stop the podcast now. You go win your Pulitzer; it'll be fine. The okay. only other thing I saw about um, Larry McMurtry that I wanted to bring up was that he Mc- also McMurtry McMurtry McMurtry. I said McMurtry. Um. Oh, I can't. Is that he okay. wrote Terms of Endearment, yes. the 1975 book. And I remember the VHS tape for the movie <laughs> being in my parents' collection. And Larry McMurtry's the... job was really just like to linger at the periphery of our parents' houses. <laughs> that, was, that was Larry McMurtry. If you saw Who's something that? just around all the time. And Who's don't that behind the bushes? Why? Is that Larry Who's McMurtry? That guy? Who's that guy manning the grill it's... at... <laughs> Aunt Christine's birthday party. I think there's somebody peeking up from that manhole. I think it's Larry McMurtry. It's, it's not Larry McMurtry. It's a VHS tape of Terms of Endearment. <laughs> yeah, you I know, know nothing. I know nothing about Terms of Endearment. I have not seen the movie. I read a little bit about it for the purposes of this. My understanding: it's, it's a very sad movie about a mom and a daughter. It's like anywhere but here, but probably good. <laughs> uh, the only other tidbit about mcmurtry that i yep that's his name that i found uh is that he like opened a bunch of bookstores called like booked up or Mm -hmm. something like a he got really into buying and selling rare books and stuff yeah my understanding was he opened one and then he was going to open a second one or he did and then kind of the whole business i think folded a little bit but then he Mm -hmm. saved the original one by auctioning off a bunch of his books i think so yeah he's very into the physical he's a he's like a gritty like literary man's man kind of thing like he still writes on a manual typewriter kind of guy oh, so one of those yep to have to have a bookstore <laughs> is just like right up his alley cool i hope he's listening right now. <laughs> oh I, yeah authors listen all the time okay so um Lonesome Dove. I it's. I was hoping that it was about figurative or literal lonesome doves, but apparently it's about cows. So, like, mm-hmm. introduce me to this book. Well, it's not about. It's. I mean, the cows are there, but it's about a. <laughs> <laughs> Just so you know, it's about a. It's about a group of a what they call. They refer to themselves as an outfit, Hat Creek outfit. Is what they're called, mm. and um, they're led by two two men who are former Texas Rangers. Uh, Texas Ranger was like um, my understanding is basically the the law in when Texas Chuck before Norris. Texas ba- yeah Texas Ranger there you go he <laughs> not uh, the, yeah not they were the law team. before before there was law in not the, the baseball area. team and they dealt a lot with the- Indiana <laughs> or they dealt a lot with um, Indians um, American Native Americans would be. I think it's okay. Are you like? No, I think I'm gonna edit out your racism, so don't worry about it. (laughs) Where does the the what what term does the book use? It's worth noting. Uh, they I believe they say Indians. Um, they often refer specifically to different tribes. Uh, Comanches come up a lot. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, but there are a few other ones. I think they say it was just because everyone said Indians until we grew slightly wiser about it. 15 years ago or whatever (laughs) (laughs) so yeah um so they are their their group there's there's the two main guys and there's a handful of other ones there's a very young guy who cries a lot uh there's a slightly his name tears oh man what is his name sabi sabi tears let me see sabi jones he is tears mcginty Newt. Weepy McStall. He, like he doesn't have a real name. It's like it's like a goofy nickname. His name is Newt. 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 Um, okay. And he cries a lot. He is supposed to be, I think, around the age of twenty. And uh, there's a slightly yes less young man who uh, is kind of a troublemaker named. Sorry, I can't remember anybody's name. <laughs> it's fine. 
This is a safe space now. to barely Jake know what you're talking Jake Spoon about. Is Jake his Spoon name. is his name. It's not a good name. <laughs> How could you forget good old Jake Spoon? <laughs> Jake Spoon, Charlie Fork, Chuck Knife. We got he all does, of them. He does. <laughs> he kind of pieces out of the book early, so he's not in it for the last half or so. So, and then the great part about it is there's all of these really good female characters who are the best i think this is why in part at least this is this is what got me really into it, it was like the i can't the tell women if you're being it. sarcastic i'm not like the women are like super it's <laughs> like they're just like stone cold awesome like nothing phases them they're so they're like all of the men are either like they're either jaded and wistful and just kind of like shut down or they're crying or they're like <laughs> dealing with their demons. Whereas just the women are like, the women have troubles also, but they just like power right through it. They're so awesome. Um, there's one named uh, Lorena, Lori, who is a, um, she's before they set out on this drive, she's like a, basically a hooker. She's like the town prostitute. Um, and she joins them to go to this to go on this cattle drive because she wants to go to San Francisco. Uh, and there's a few other ones who come up sort of as tertiary stories to the um, the main plot. There's like a let's see, there's like a deputy who goes looking for Jake Spoon because Jake Spoon's on the run because Jake Spoon was a bad boy and shot somebody. Uh, <laughs> bad, and- <laughs> bad, dirty Jake Spoon. <laughs> the okay, deputy. What if what if he was in a gang? With his big brother, and everybody called him Big Spoon and Little Spoon. Oh. I'm just Stop throwing it. that out there. <laughs> the utensil jokes. Just think about it. Are really a tangent you should keep going with. Okay. <laughs> um, Their biography could be called Measuring Spoons. Oh, Jesus Christ. Yeah. A plus. <laughs> a, plus every a plus jokes, everybody. Yep. This is going. Okay, good podcast. I'll talk to you guys never again. <laughs> Um, let's see. There's the deputy's wife. There's a very practical, uh, woman who lives by herself running a whole farm that somebody comes across midway through. There's Clara, who is the love interest of, um, Weepy? uh, McCray, Gus McCray. No, no, no. The boy, the boy doesn't have a love interest. He's too busy crying. <laughs> he really is. Every time something happens, it's like Newt felt like he was going to cry and it's like, Pull it together, <laughs> Newt. You're not Come a very on. good cowboy. <laughs> so, so what are they? What are they trying to do? What is the what? Why are they going where they're going? Well, the inciting action is like they hear that Montana is a great place to go and start a ranch. They are okay. they're bored of Texas. They're like um, all the Indians are gone. They're just kind of like drifting in this like sleepy town, and they're they're fine. They're just like bored. Um, and this this takes some 300 pages, I think. <laughs> so it's like really hard, uh, really hard start. But eventually they buy some, they actually steal, they steal some cattle from Indians. Great. Which is for, you know, just for, just for kicks, just for the excitement. And uh, they start driving them north to Montana. Um, which is still unsettled. It's still wild. People keep telling them, like, there are too many Indians up, Indians up there. You can't go. You're all going to die. And they're like, nope, we're going. We're doing it. So um, the story is just, like, all of the hardships that you would encounter doing a cattle drive in the late 1800s. Um, there's snakes. There's Indians. There's... I keep saying Indians. I can't do that. There's Native Americans. Who are we're using? We're not. using the book's terminology. It's okay. I'm. T- I mean, it wouldn't be okay if I said the Edward and the book said it. Like that would not. Mm, yeah, I guess not. I yeah. mean, unless you unless you were quoting something. <laughs> um. Anyway, there's uh. I it's it's hard to say whether Indians really get a fair shake in the book as a. Like the representation, as far as the representation goes, it's a little. Iffy. It's dicey. Uh, yeah, there are some. There are cle- there are clever ones, which is there's something to be said for that. They're clever and tough, uh, but they are the bad guys. So hmm. Hmm. okay, yeah, because you've mentioned them a few times. I was going to ask, like, 
this book being written in the 1980s talking about the 1880s like is, is it, it at all enlightened on issues of of race or are these pretty much like the stereotypical engines that you would oh no, you no, would no, get no as like stock villains i mean i don't think they're i think it's pretty fair i mean it's um one of the one of the best villains in the book is a uh, um comanche named blue duck who's like the most feared comanche the most feared like person in the west because he just like if he shows up it's like you're it's like he doesn't even show up it's like you're all dead and then like there's blue duck on the scene <laughs> he just killed you all <laughs> so and that literally happens like a couple times so he's um but he he kidnaps one of the he kidnaps Lori in the book and there's a whole um plot that they have to go through to rescuing her he like sells her and he like riles up all these other cowboys he finds and i don't think <sighs> man they do i mean i could i could spoil the rest i don't know how how deep you guys go into the whole book if you want to spoil the whole book but if it's um, important to the discussion then spoilers are cool like we have wanna, the tag i don't want to spoil the so. entire book for you but um i would say i would say blue duck i don't i don't think any of them are caricatures the actual Indians that they talk to. A lot of them are just like, um, just kind of a, a force of nature almost. Maybe that's, that's like not very much credit. Um, so. Well, they're, they're an other, right? They're, they're not. Right. Do they, there's no, do... there's no perspective really of the Indians. Yeah. They're always like over there. But there are a reality that you have to deal with right. no matter where you go. Like, And they're not all bad. Like some of them are nice. Some, some of them they see and like, wave in the distance like hey you're nice we're nice or like there or like there are some who are like they steal i think they steal from the uh from the party as they're traveling but then they like look and it's like all women and children and they're underfed and they have no horses or whatever so like okay just like let them have the two cattle or whatever so they're not like Hmm. ruthless about it either interesting Mm mm-hmm so this is Oregon Trail the book is what you're telling me. It's a little like Oregon Trail the book, but there's no hunting. There's no <laughs> I mean hunting was always my favorite part. That's really important. And then um, Jake Spoon shot three buffalo, but he could only carry two hundred fifty pounds of meat back to the wagon. <laughs> I'm Jake Spoon in that. Um they they don't hunt because they have food. They they kill the cattle, I think, for food. They stop in towns a couple times. Uh, all Jake Spoon does is gamble. Um, he tends to stay separate from the rest of the party because Jake Spoon's just like awful. He starts off like this sort of cutting a dashing figure, and everyone admires him. But then it like just gets to a point where he's no good. What if everyone just like ran out of patience for Han Solo, like for real? Yeah, it was. It became like Han Solo has some real. Han Solo has some demons. It sounded like he was depressed, actually. <laughs> put it in okay. modern terms, because right. all he wanted to do was like lie around and gamble and drink. So, so this is painting like a real wonderful portrait of cowboys, mm-hmm. is what you're saying. I mean, and it's more it's I mean, more nuanced great. than most things I've consumed about cowboys or the west at that yeah because it, w- it would be hard to be less nuanced than like the i don't even know what era it would be like the 40s and 50s like john mm-hmm. wayne style cowboys where the cowboys are the paragons and right. the sheriff and they shoot the bandits and that's like that's all you need to know really right i mean the book does get at its most exciting i think when you're reminded of like the the two the two main guys call and gus they're like the rangers when you're reminded of their skill and they're like they have a reputation that precedes them throughout the entire that half of the country. Like everyone knows who they are. Apparently, their pictures are hanging in like bars they go into and stuff like mm-hmm. that. So they are actually good at their jobs. So that's interesting to read when they like when they can track something or catch somebody or like they they like whip out a gun and shoot something like to scare everyone stuff like that. <laughs> they're pretty. They're pretty like badass. What is their relationship? Like, why are they traveling together? Why, what is their deal? They're just, they became friends through through being in the Rangers together for some number of years, 30 years. They're old, I think. They're supposed to be in their 50s, 60s. Sounds old for a cowboy. In 1880, yeah. that was old, right? Yeah. 
I think you didn't so. get struck down by by cholera when you were fifteen. I mean, that's kind of like good. the the dignified manly narrative that maybe you guys will adhere to because you're men. But it's like should have died a long time ago in the middle of battle, and here I am, just an old cowboy. It's like you don't get the dignity of a battle death. So is it? Is, oh, because it is post Civil War, right? Yes. Right. So is there is it, does that factor at all into like their view on what's going on or anything nope. like that? No, I think no. they were just like been completely removed from it. Um, I forget if the timeline really overlaps. I think their I think their rangering would have overlapped the um, Civil War, but they just weren't involved in it. Oh, it's yeah, okay. It's 1876, so it's not that long after the war, but there's right. no mention of it. But as I really. recall, I mean, Texas was not really central to that right to the conflict at all yeah right. yeah texas is still the west like it wasn't part i think it wasn't part of the united states yet let's figure that out yeah craig why don't you figure that out Fact so check. um <laughs> casey with with books that this big where like a lot of individual things happen it can be hard to do a blow-by-blow blow plot synopsis but like mm -hmm. what is the book trying to say like what's what's the overall message that's being conveyed like what is the what's uh, the what is the skeleton of the story that's being told? I guess. Hmm. I guess the story that it's it's supposed to be in part a portrait of the West at that time, what life was like, um, and what the what the troubles were. It's there's a lot of stuff about um, in addition to like sort of the aging, the aging Texas Rangers and like their one last sort of hurrah with this cattle drive, even though it's dangerous and whatever they're risking death it's like there's also a lot about um loneliness on the part of on their part and on the part of a few other characters who are mm -hmm. secondary characters um and it's fun it's it, that sort of rang true with me in the way that like you can't be lonely that way the way that people were like if you were riding back from montana to texas it's like you're just fucking alone like you are there's nobody you there like you can you can try and find a town but maybe you won't find it and you'll just be alone for like 18 2000 miles or whatever um so there's a lot about that there's like one really good um sort of meditation on that um other themes it's about i would say it's about um the kind of people who lived in the west at that time especially the women i think get the best um, shake in that sense they're like really just strong people and they pull through a lot of different hardships and they're just really badass so mm -hmm. um I'm, I'm that, back from wikipedia that covers it hey craig what'd, what'd you find in the wikipedia mines texas was admitted to the union in 1845 Ooh. uh seceded in <laughs> 1861 when everyone when a bunch of those states in the south joined the confederate states and then spent two months in anarchy after the surrender of the army of northern virginia um and then rejoined the united states in 1866 and okay. we couldn't be happier to have them mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> um from, so from what you've described so far it almost sounds like McMurtry is trying to like subvert the the image of the cowboy almost like one of them is a is an awful guy who gambles all the time one of them just can't even see because he's so busy crying all the time like <laughs> <laughs> and then our two main characters are like older cowboys they're not like prime yeah, of their like lives their, cowboys their time has passed or right yeah I would say it brings a lot of depth to the image of a cowboy if like you're looking for John Wayne kind of casting a, you know, sidelong glance at everything he sees and shooting everything down and like, you know, just get just getting everything done like really straightforward. This is much more, um, much more nuanced and I probably closer to like what people actually did and experienced and were like. Um, it's yeah, it's like less of a caricature of cowboys that's like fair thing to say yeah because in in reading things about i don't know like the laura ingalls wilder books that did you guys read those when you were kids like i think everybody did right <laughs> i Little think House i on read one 
or two. And <laughs> yeah, I, was I think just I like, read this one too. Not my thing. Well, yeah, because like the the way that those books went is like, oh, they're just this family, and now they live in this one place, and now they live in this other place, but then you grow up and you think about it and read about it some more. And like Pa was just a drifter who had itchy feet and just wanted to keep going West. <laughs> wow. You remember a lot from that. Like, and I think, and I think that's like the best case scenario. If you're, if you're living on the frontier at this point, like either you're just restless and you want to explore or you're a criminal and you don't want to be found out. <laughs> right. Yeah, whole, you said they, yeah. they decided to leave Texas because it was, like, boring because there wasn't enough <laughs> adventure left. Well, I mean, consider their, their, I mean, their life was, like, near-death experiences probably every day of, like, defending towns from Indians, mm-hmm. raid, trying to raid them, basically. This was, like, yeah. an ongoing problem. Like, I'm pretty convinced, I mean, in my... <laughs> clearly bad memory of everything i learned about the civil war i don't remember texas being involved like at all i'm yeah, sure they sent I mean, soldiers I whatever there were no like major battles there or anything like that so like i think they were majorly preoccupied with the business of colonizing um which i think te- uh, texas rangers were really um you know a huge asset to that and they talk about like how um one of the one of the older rangers call um still keeps watch like he'll he'll go out every night um even while they're even well after they're settled and just watch for indians because he's just like so used to it and so like in that frame of mind from his rangering experience like you like constant vigilance dude who's sitting on the hill (laughs) waiting for an indian or a group of indians to attack so i mean so they're like they're in this state they're in this heightened state of of rangering that sure. Texas that settled Texas is not meeting. So is there any sense that like their their desire to go out and get more adventure is a good or bad thing? Like object do you know what I mean? Like is is McMurdy saying one thing McMurtry. and the other? You forgot an R. Come on. <sighs> get all your R's in there. Every okay, time Larry. you drop a R, Larry McMurtry sheds a tear. He's got two R's in his first name. He doesn't need any more in his last name. Sure he does. McMurtry. Sounds good. It's a free country. I can have as many R's in my name as I want. Oh man, go this with it, Texas. Texas. <laughs> is he like is he is is he trying to explore like what's the cost of this like westward ho mentality? Oh yeah. I mean there's definitely um I mean, people drop like flies. On this <laughs> trip. Okay. They, they. It's like if you've seen um, who's it? Have you seen Band of Brothers? No, but anyone. I, but I know, I know what you're talking about. Okay, That's it's right. just like you, like people are just like, you know, you look the other way for a second, and, like they're dead. So. <laughs> no, I was. I put the book down to like take a sip of tea. And it's then... more dramatic than that. It's like it's like the. The death scenes are really well written, and like the the way they um the way they deal with death is very like appropriate to their um the time they live in, and you know all that stuff. But um yeah, it's 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 very much about the the risks of being you know like living in the West, being um you know kind of difficult in a practical sense. But people who live that way are used to it in such a way that they feel like they have to sustain it. So they, you know, deliberately put themselves in this situation where it's like, people are going to die. <laughs> cattle, <laughs> cattle will be lost. Maybe you'll make some money. I think that's like their their goal is to, um, their their theory is that the army is out up in the, up in the north and they, they'll need cattle to feed them. So they're going to, you know make a mm. lot of money also but that's that's the secondary that's secondary to just wanting to get out and have an adventure <laughs> sounds like ice road truckers it's it similar sounds in what are you talking about <laughs> well somewhere across the ice they need the oil in my truck so i'm gonna take my oil truck on this icy plane there you go i mean maybe i'll die maybe i'll make some money that's a real sense. That's a real sense of obligation. They're they're just bringing cattle up there. It's like someone's gonna bring cattle up there eventually. They're just deciding to do it a whole hell of a lot earlier than is reasonable mm. because they like they like the danger. 
and they like the <laughs> they like the money, but they like the danger more. It's like they talk about like, oh, well, you know, we'll make a lot of money. No one's up there yet, blah blah. blah. But it's really like they just want to be in a, a bad situation. What's well, also interesting, kind of what you said earlier about that type of loneliness that just isn't possible anymore. Like they weren't going there to rendezvous with someone who was then going to like pay them money. They're just thought that up in montana some folks might want some cows is that right like <laughs> i don't think that that like that doesn't work anymore you can't like i'll go around the corner and i'll open up a hot dog truck like no you need to get a permit and tell the city <laughs> that you want to have a hot dog truck and they're gonna say well there's already a hot dog truck like down the street so you can't have one i'm sure you can have like an illicit hot dog truck like the like the people who sell fake purses and stuff on the street in new york and when cops show up they just pack it in and run away like you can, <laughs> you can take your contraband hot dogs and, yeah and okay. scoot off into the distance the second you report those hot dogs on your taxes you're screwed oh boy really the key is to make only 599 dollars <laughs> in hot dog sales so it's not taxable income. <laughs> I'm going to start a hot dog business now based on this conversation. I thought I I assume that's what freelancing meant. <laughs> it's selling hot freelance freelance hot dogs. I freelance yeah. hot dogs now. I lance <laughs> hot dogs out of the hot pot and put them in a bun. Um yeah, the uh I mean land was as far as I know just like up for grabs in Montana. It was like totally just whatever you wanted. No one owned it, so it was like you could take it but the downside of the taking was that it's like running rampant still with comanche indians you know it's like um i think they run into bears there's some bears <laughs> there's just a town of bears there's towns of bears <laughs> that you have to raid in order to it's like a mini game <laughs> uh but it's just dangerous it's like that's why that's why it's like totally unsettled so you you can have this land for free, but no one wants it, so it's it has no value sort of yet mm. until you put the cattle on it. That's, that's <laughs> I don't think that confers value to the land though. Like you just wherever you have cows, there you are. <laughs> that's very <laughs> true. I mean, there's a, there's like an opportunity cost to having cows elsewhere. To have them there is. The, the whole thing that's like you're just trying to bring part. them to a place where fewer people have cows right okay i'm sure there's an economic term for that that i don't know but supply and demu <laughs> oh craig <my> god <laughs> so i read a quote to revisit this issue briefly uh i read a quote from mick mcmurtry nice. uh, where he said that lonesome dove was a critical book but that's not how it was perceived. The romance of the West is so powerful, you can't really swim against the current. Whatever truth about the West is printed, the legend is always more potent. Mm -hmm. um, it kind of sounds like that was your take on it. Like, he sort of set out to write this anti-Western in a way, but what's still interesting about us today is how much of a freaking Western it is. Mm -hmm. Right. I mean, it's like, it's it's a it's a more true western than i think what people normally think of as a western um in the sense that he was he was trying to present a lot of the realities people dying you know having to you know if you're running a farm you have to drag your plow from this end to that end and that takes you all day and you have two mules and maybe one of them dies and then you're just screwed or like if you if you ride your horse out to find somebody and your horse dies or like it breaks or it like sprains its ankle it's like then you're then you're you know 300 miles from anybody you have to shoot your horse and you're it's like then what there's a lot of that <laughs> how many horses don't make it casey do a lot of horses not make it she's just trying to count up it. all the dead horses <laughs> i i'm um usually the horses get a pretty dignified death so uh, probably as many horses as people at least oh god you already said there were so many people that died. There's, there's one. Uh, Gus kills a handful of horses. I would say. Yeah, uh, sounds like Gus. But what he does, How, what, is it, what he does, what is it, is great. 
Okay, tell us about that. I was going to ask what a dignified horse death looks oh, like. Oh, there's a part where he gets into a, a, a skirmish with a handful of Indians, and uh, he has a horse, and he's like, shit, I'm on flatland, I have no way to defend myself. So he shoots his horse and uses his horse as a shield. Even though he has, he has no other horses, he's totally alone, but he has to face down these Indians, so it's like... I'm gonna use my horse, so he kills it, and he, you know, hides behind it. He takes out <laughs> enough of the Indians to scare most of them away, and then I believe recovers a horse from their like party. That's like his ultimate strategy, and it's like, but they do things like that where like the rate, the odds that you're gonna succeed at doing something like that are zero. But he's really good at being <laughs> like doing this stuff, so he pulls it off in some way, but. I think they ran away because they were terrified that that dead horse was shooting at them. They didn't understand. Maybe they didn't. I don't think it looked like that. No, I think they got it. No, you're not. You're not giving them a lot of credit. Yeah, Yeah, that's fair. Let's let's give them a little more than that. And then it. And then that night, he cut the horse open with his lightsaber and slept inside it. He did. That's another way of using a horse. No one did that in this. I think you're thinking of Star Wars, but (laughs) I. I don't. I don't think you're right about that. But okay. Why is it called Lonesome Dove? Lonesome Dove is the name of the town that they live in when they start. Mm. That's Lonesome the town Dove, they've been defending Texas. for a while. Mm. Oh, yep. Lonesome all right. Dove. Fair enough. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. I'm. I'm. I'm just. I'm gonna start asking you just like one-off questions about things that I think are okay. neat as okay. I, as I'm. As I'm reading things. Lightning round. <laughs> Lightning round. Great. Okay, great. Um, there is a horse named the Hell Bitch. Oh, oh Hell Bitch is great. What great does that horse. horse do? That's cool. Uh, the, hell, the Hell Bitch is uh, a horse that uh, Call tames at the beginning of the book. The Hell Bitch is a crazy horse. So Shadow Facts. But Shadow of, Facts. Of um, and, uh, Did you but, say the Shadow these... Facts of horses, Andrew? Just don't don't There's don't, only don't one... worry about it. Oh boy! Uh, uh, <laughs> the hell bitch is a great horse. She's fast and uh, like aggressive, and I think really responsive to call. Um, mm-hmm. Ultimately, he bequeaths her to his son um, because she's like everyone comments. So they're like great horse. <laughs> When she's like riding through town or whatever, when people come upon them, they're like, "Wow, that's a great horse." I think someone tries and buy. I think the army tries to like pressure him out of giving up the hell bitch, and he's like, "No, I'm not giving up my horse." I feel like anybody who bought the hell bitch, it would be like when you get a cat from a shelter and you don't like the name that it came with. I think you would. <laughs> Almost have to change the hell bitch's name to something else. Oh, I don't no. think it would respond to anything else, right, Andrew. Right. right. Hell bitch. That does. horse named itself. Are yep. you kidding? <laughs> it was a name it was destined to have. It's it scraped that out in the sand with its hoof, <laughs> with the arrow pointing to itself. Oh lord. And I guess the, the last thing, because we're getting close to time, I think, is like as you were reading it. Like, what is McMurtry's prose like? Did you enjoy reading the book, or, or, I don't know. Like, what, what, what did you, what did you think about the way it was written? He's he's a good writer. He's very um stark. He's not particularly like, uh, you know, there's no like word play or a lot of cleverness or anything like that. He's pretty just straightforward. But he's a good writer. It's like it's not um it's an easy book to read. Mm-hmm. Um, he does um, action scenes really well. I would say. I think the best battle scenes are the ones that are that happen really quickly. Like mm-hmm. you, your reading speeds up enough that it adds to the chaos that's already kind of happening on the page. So yeah, right. I can I can respect somebody who can who can capture that. Like it's almost like cinematic, almost. Yeah, right. Yeah, he's pretty spare in matter of fact with all of the stuff he's describing. So it, it, yeah, it's like very receptive to that sort of reading. Hmm. I wonder too if that's some of his impulse as a screenwriter, also. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh yeah. Showing, sure you know. He's, he knows. He knows his his screen treatments. He knows yeah, I just <laughs> there's a really interesting 
Like, how can one be spare and stark and also write a book that's 843 pages that's long? That's a really good point. I mean, there's a lot going on in the book. A lot happens. A lot happens. Although, like, the first... You, you, I think you'd be pretty easily... If this was the modern day, I think it probably would have been made to cut a lot from the beginning. The beginning is pretty slow. There's a lot of time spent setting up the fact that they're bored, I think, but for more time than is needed for sure once they get going the book gets really good you got a full full length novel before you before you actually get to the sort of inciting action of the rest of the book he's trying to make you bored along with the characters right Right. there you go he's he's david foster wallace before david there you go (laughs) and i think i wondered too if it's with this book in particular the a lot of the western stuff that was made after this book came out or maybe around you know you think of like deadwood and even some of like the tombstone and the modern day stuff with something like justified or something like that where like they seem to have already adapted to the the gritty real at this point it's probably not realistic but the gritty cowboy versus the john wayne you know uh not to take John Wayne, but the genre cowboy has kind of been dispelled a little there bit. There are some good, I mean, there's obviously like a lot of great ones, um, very critically acclaimed ones that are out now, but I don't think they really get, they're not great because they're like great portraits of the West necessarily, like mm-hmm. in the way that Lonesome Dove is. It's like if you think of True Grit. Right, yeah. Was just there's yeah, nothing uh, particularly yeah western about like obviously it's a western movie but like nothing it's not speaking to the concept of westerns it's just like a really good movie with like really good actors and like a good story yeah that's what this book seems to be doing and maybe that's why it's so notable is that it's wrestling in its own way with what the west is and what a cowboy is right and like even deadwood it's like the whole it's like all of the western it's like the western part is just trappings it's just like incidental right yeah it's actually interesting yeah because it's more of a it's more of a character thing and you're watching like 80 percent for ian mcshane anyway yeah that's true (laughs) yeah agree all right so would you would you read more larry mcmurtry would you was this book make you want to go out and grab terms of endearment or or whatever other books that you might have seen in your dad's car i don't know i don't i I don't think i would go terms of endearment i might there's there's after he wrote this book he wrote three more books i think in the series yeah yeah. um so i might try there i think two of the books go back to call and gus as texas rangers like doing their rangering thing so i might give one of those books a try Cool. Um, I'm not sure if the the sort of mission of the books is really the same. Um, I don't think yeah. any of them. I don't know if any of them got the same critical acclaim. I know. I think all of them were also turned into miniseries. Yeah. But yeah. I think that was just because, like, you know, lonesome dove excitement. Um, not necessarily because they were great, but I would check them out. Um, see how the reviews are, and maybe yeah, I'm seeing. Four books here. There's Lonesome Dove, uh, Streets of Laredo, Dead Man's Walk, and Comanche Moon. All four were turned into TV miniseries. And then there's a fifth TV miniseries called Return to Lonesome Dove mm-hmm. that was made for CBS without McMurtry's involvement. Right. No. And, and he got mad at them when they implied that he was involved. Right. With no. Yes. <laughs> Poor Larry McMurtry. His artist vision ruined. <sighs> When I think the first uh, the first title for this, when it was still a screenplay, was Streets of Laredo or something like that. Mm-hmm. So then it like cropped back up as one of the follow up novels. Right. Yeah, I think I think Streets of Laredo is supposed to be the only book that comes after the events of Lonesome Dove mm. and Comanche Moon, and the other one are prequels. Interesting. Cool. Yeah. Cool. Well, thanks for joining us, Casey. Thanks for having me. Yeah, talking about books. Mm-hmm. Books are great. <laughs> books are fine. If uh, if you a ringing endorsement, <laughs> they're they're all right. <laughs> they're okay, I guess. If you wanted to, uh, you the listener wanted to tweet at us about cowboys or about the freelancing lifestyle, 
you can do so at Overdue Pod uh, or put that on our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Overdue Pod. I do want to give a shout out to Sean, uh, who in response to last week's episode said, I might be wrong, but I thought no top on a fruit pie makes it a cobbler. Maybe Craig just hates cobblers. I don't think I hate I looked, cobblers. I looked that up and I think he's wrong about that. I think I, cobbler has a top and a bottom crust. Casey? Uh, what do you know about cobbler debate? No bottom crust. Top crust only. No. It's like gooey <laughs> it's like gooey uh fruit with like cookies on top of it, basically. Or like it's not cookies, <laughs> but like sweet dough. That sounds like a, a pie a kid would make. I'm making it sound like the worst, but cobbler It's is melted really gummy worms with, with Oreos, Oreos on it. <laughs> That's me. That's you can uh email in your favorite uh cookie pie recipes to overduepod at gmail.com. Andrew, if they want to find out anything else, where should they go? They should go to the website on the internet at <laughs> overduepodcast.com. And up there we have Amazon links to the books that we have read and the ones that we're going to read. If you want to click on those links and buy those books and crayons and a cheese grater and whatever else you need from Amazon, that gives us a little bit of money, which helps defray our hosting costs and the cost of buying the books and the general mental toll of doing this podcast every week. Um, there are also RSS and iTunes links that you can use to subscribe to the show. If you subscribe in iTunes, please do rate and review us because that helps us out in the rankings and gives us a warm, fuzzy feeling inside inside our souls. It makes us stop crying like cowboys for like a second. So. <laughs> like Newt the Cowboy. Like Newt the Cowboy. The alleged cowboy. <laughs> He's a cowboy, but he'll never be a cowman. Oh, wow. That's, that cuts deep. That's rough. <laughs> Or Newt. Um, Craig, what? It's your turn next week, right? What are you reading? Oh, I have no idea. Are you, okay. You well, you're gonna it. decide okay. on a book and read it in a week. That's pretty. Well, because he's reading Moby Dick, but it's like a thousand pages long. Yeah, I'm so not gonna be done Moby Dick. So normally gonna... he'll like pick a play or something. It and, won't be and... a play. I'll find something else. Okay, cool. The cool. suspense is is exciting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's exactly. It's exactly what people are hoping for in a regular weekly podcast is like the suspense of not knowing what is going on. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's that's serial. That's serial every week. Come on, we're blowing up. Put us in the New York Times. Let's go. Podcasts are back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> they never left. Podcasts never right, left. Everybody. They've always they've always been enjoyed by the same five people since they've they came always out. been in your dad's car or on your mom's bookshelf, just hanging out. Yep. Just like Lonesome Dove. Oh boy. Dove. Just like Lonesome Dove. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next week. And in the meantime, try to be happy.